We turn to Matthew's account of the resurrection, Matthew chapter 28, and we read verses 1 through 15. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 15. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I've told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. And they said, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the joy of knowing Jesus, the joy of knowing a living Savior. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would take now the word that you have given by the inspiration of your Spirit. Apply these truths, O God, to our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The last time it happened was 62 years ago in 1956, long before I was born. Many months before I was born. If you're wondering what that is, you probably already know. That's when uh, Easter fell on April Fool's Day, 62 years ago. Some people believe it is fitting for Easter to fall on April Fool's Day because they believe it's a foolish thing to believe in the resurrection. God's Word makes it very clear that it is just the opposite. It is foolish to reject the resurrection because the evidence of the resurrection is is overwhelming. Jesus did exactly what He said He would do. He laid down His life for the sins of the world. And on the third day, He rose again. And that is why we are here today. If Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead, there would be no reason for us to be here today. No reason for me to be in ministry. No reason for having this building. No reason for gathering here if Jesus Christ is still dead. But He's been risen 
the victorious Savior and soon coming King. There are two things about Jesus' resurrection that I want you to remember from this text today. The first one is this, that Jesus is risen, and that's no fooling. Jesus is risen, and that's no fooling. One of the ways that God highlights important events is by shaking the earth. And we have some examples of that in Scripture. When the law was given on Mount Sinai, there was a huge earthquake. When Jesus died on the cross, Matthew tells us that there was an earthquake. When Jesus comes again, there's going to be a significant earthquake. In fact, His coming will be announced by earthquakes in many places. So it isn't surprising that we would see an earthquake here at the tomb of Jesus because God is saying to us, don't miss this. <laughs> this is significant. This is an earth-changing event. And so we see in verse 2 that, Behold, a severe earthquake occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone away and sat upon it. Don't miss this, God is saying. There is something important that is happening. There are several proofs of Jesus' resurrection given in Scripture, and Matthew gives us two of them here. The first, obviously, is the tomb. Verse 5, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. And then the angel said to the women, Come and see the place where he was lying. Notice past tense. See the place where he was lying. The women knew that Jesus had died because they were standing there by the cross and they witnessed that event. We go back to chapter 27, verses 55 and 56, and it says that many women were there looking on from a distance. They observed as Jesus gave his life there on the cross. And they were also witnesses when Jesus' body was put in the tomb. We go back to chapter 27, verse 61. Mary Magdalene was there. And the other Mary sitting opposite the grave. And now they returned to the tomb to anoint his dead body, but when they looked inside, his body wasn't there. The angel said, He is not here, and there was no denying that his words were true. As they gazed into that tomb, there was no body there. Jesus Christ's body was gone. And what is interesting to notice is that this is a fact that even those who opposed Jesus could not deny. Verse 11 of our text says that the women were on their way to report these things to the disciples, and the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, Here's what you are to say. His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. In other words, they couldn't deny that the tomb was empty. They didn't say, Oh no, here's the body, we found it. They could not deny that the tomb was empty. The only thing they could do was to come up with a false reason as to why the tomb was empty. They said the disciples have come and stole the body while 
we were asleep. Maybe you thought that fake news was a part of our day today. Here's fake news. Meet it up. John tells us another thing about what the women saw. Besides seeing that there was no body there, John chapter 20, verses 6 and 7 says that they saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the body hadn't been stolen from the tomb. If that had been the case, the wrappings wouldn't have been there. They wouldn't have taken the time to unwrap all these linen cloths that were around the body of Jesus. And if they had, they would have been skewed all over the place. John simply says that the wrappings were lying there which pointed to the fact that Jesus' body was miraculously removed from his grave clothes. One author says the body had simply withdrawn itself. It's no wonder John 20 verse 8 tells us that when John saw this, he believed. He knew that Jesus had done exactly what he said he would do, that he would rise again from the dead. And as he looked at the tomb, there was the evidence. No body there, but the grave clothes were there. And the thing that was put around his head was folded and and set aside to another place. The tomb gives evidence that Jesus has risen. But the second proof is the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Although the tomb of Jesus was enough to convince John that Jesus had risen, it wasn't enough to convince everyone. Even the disciples had a hard time believing. Even though Jesus said that he was going to die, the third day rise again, they just had a hard time grasping that. They were fearful. They were discouraged. They were hiding behind closed doors because they didn't believe that Jesus was going to rise again. And so Luke tells us in In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days. Matthew records one of them as the women were leaving the tomb in verse 8 with great joy. They they were on their way to report it to the disciples and, and Jesus meets them. And they come and take a hold of his feet and and, and worship him. But as you read through the, the Gospels, you find that this was just one of many appearances of Jesus. From what we can gather, there were at least 12 of them that are recorded of, of appearances of Jesus after his resurrection. Here they are. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to the women at the tomb. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to the two on the road to to Emmaus. He appeared to the disciples without Thomas and then when Thomas was with, with them. He appeared to more than 500 at one time. He appeared to some of the disciples at the Sea of Galilee. He appeared to James. He appeared to the eleven on the Mount of Galilee. He appeared to the disciples when he ascended. He appeared to Paul. And those are just the ones we know of. How many more times did Jesus, over that that 40-day period, 
appear to his disciples. So it's one thing to have an empty tomb, but it's another thing to have a living Savior. And Jesus made it clear to his disciples that he was alive. They were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. And as the book of Acts was written, and you see the disciples then proclaiming that Jesus was risen, over and over again they said, we were eyewitnesses. We were there. We saw it. He appeared to us. We touched him. We ate with him. We fellowshiped with him. We know him. Our our eyes have seen. Our our hands have handled, John says, the word of, of life. And this word of life we make known to you. We've met this Jesus and we want you to meet him as well. Eyewitnesses of his majesty. So if you're willing to look at the evidence, you will see that Jesus is risen and that's no fooling. This is not an April Fool's joke. This is the real thing. He is risen and he lives today. The second thing I want you to notice in this text, Jesus is rejected. And that is foolish. That is foolish. It's one thing to reject something because there's no evidence to support it. But it's a whole different thing to reject something when the evidence is indisputable. And this is what we see with Jesus' resurrection. It couldn't be denied that Jesus was alive, and yet many still rejected him. Think of the religious leaders when the guard came and told them what had happened. In fact, Matthew says they told them all that had happened. So what was their story? Can you imagine that? Here they come to guard this tomb and there's this severe earthquake and these angels come and with garments of lightning and there's this stone that was, was rolled away. And notice the response of the guards to this. It says the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. They had gone through quite an alarming experience. And what's interesting about this is that the word earthquake in verse 2 and the word shook in verse 4 that describes the guard, it's the same word. And some have wondered what shook more, the earth or the soldiers. I mean, they, were, they, they passed out, literally. They were so afraid of what had happened, and they came then and told the story to the religious leaders. If the evidence that Jesus was alive had come to the religious leaders from his disciples, uh, they would have obviously rejected that. And that's why they had given orders to have the grave secure. Because in the previous chapter they said, you know, we remember what this, what this guy said. Verse 63. He said, after three days I'm going to rise again. So therefore give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him away. And they'll say to the people, he has risen from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. The evidence didn't come from the disciples. The evidence came from their own guard, from their own soldiers, and they still denied it. And what's interesting about this is that they said that they would believe in Jesus if he came down from the cross. Remember that in chapter 27? Verse 39 says those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads. And saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. 
In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, He saved others. He can't save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. Jesus, you come down from the cross and we will believe in you. And yet Jesus did something greater, didn't he? Not only did he come off, he didn't come off the cross, but he he rose from the dead. He conquered death triumphantly and they still would not believe in him. They still would not believe. I remember hearing Josh McDowell who spoke to a group of students on a college campus. And afterwards, one young man came up and talked to him about what he had shared that day. And Josh McDowell, in the midst of their conversation, said, If I could convince you, beyond all shadow of doubt, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, would you believe in him? He said, No. He said, Then the problem is not intellectual. It's not the evidence. It's not something in your mind that you just can't grasp the fact that Jesus conquered death and rose again. It's something else. And that's the way it is for many people today. The problem isn't the mind. It's not the evidence. It's there. The problem is here. The problem is a sinful, unbelieving heart. John MacArthur says their only concern was to keep that news from their fellow Jews fearing that many would accept him as the Messiah and that their own influence, power, and wealth would be severely diminished. That was their concern. Not not the fact that did this really happen? Did Jesus conquer death? Is he the Messiah? But how is this going to affect us? What's that going to mean for us? They're going to begin following him, and what will that mean for us? That might mean change for us. And that's the issue with many today. If people were to accept that Jesus is the risen Lord and Savior, that might change their life. Might have to live differently. Might have to turn from their sin. And who wants to do that? And that's why many reject Jesus today. Religious leaders, they thought it was foolish. And then you have the guards. All those guards that fell like dead men when the angels spoke to them. And they're petrified. They're coming. And can you imagine them sharing the story with the religious leaders, wondering what they would say? And the religious leaders came up with a plan then. They consulted together and they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. And they said, here's the plan. You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And verse 15 says, they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews. And it is to this day. Now, it had to be a very large sum of money. You know why? Because if these men were caught, and if the governor were to punish them, it would be death. 
Clearly, they would, have, they would have died. And so it had to be a large sum of money to take that risk. And the religious leaders assured, if the governor finds out about this, we'll take care of that. You don't worry. Just, just take the money and you just say, the disciples came by night, stole a body, and that's why the grave is empty, which would have been one of the most unrealistic things that could ever happen because they didn't believe that Jesus would rise from the dead. And even when Jesus tried to convince them, they still didn't believe it. That was not in their thinking. And so they took the money. You see, they were faced with a choice, weren't they? Do they acknowledge that Jesus is alive or do they perpetuate a lie? Do they become witnesses of the resurrection? Or do they allow money to become their God? Money to be the thing that they're going to accept rather than the truth of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, the choices aren't any different today. It's either Jesus or it's the things of this world. It's either Jesus or our own personal desires. But when we choose to reject like the religious leaders did and like the guards at the tomb, that is a tragedy because the consequences are eternal. How you respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead will determine your destiny eternally. You accept Him as Savior. You've got the promise of, of, of heaven forevermore. You reject Him. The consequences are eternal. Some of you here today may not be convinced of the resurrection. You just don't know for sure. So my question to you today is, are you willing to take an honest look at the evidence? How many of you believe George Washington lived and died? Why do you believe that? Were you there? How do you know? Do you believe the historical record? There were eyewitnesses? Of course you do. Is there evidence for Jesus' death, life and death, the resurrection? Absolutely. Are you willing to look at the evidence? It's there. Many throughout history have, 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 have gone to the Bible to seek to disprove the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and then became born again believers. Are you willing to look at the evidence? It's there. Some of you are convinced of the resurrection, but you haven't received Jesus. You don't really know Him as your Lord and Savior. My question for you today is, is why haven't you? Is there any good reason to reject Jesus? Any good reason to turn your back on the one who died for you and rose again on your behalf? Is there any good reason to choose anything else other than, than Jesus? Many of you are convinced of the resurrection and you know Jesus as your Savior. And my question for you today is, aren't you glad that you do? Aren't you thankful for what Jesus done, has done for you? Aren't you thankful that you can face the future knowing that your life is in His hands? The one who died and rose again. My brother Dean had surgery on Wednesday and he wrote a little Facebook post 
And one of the things he said in there is, I win either way. I win either way. And that's, the, that, that's what we stand on as believers in Jesus. We live wonderful. We have time to spend with our family, time to, to live our life for the Lord. We die. What is that? What does Paul say for it to mean to live? is Christ. To die? That's gain. That's far better. The hymn we sing in closing today really describes that, doesn't it? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, I can face uncertain days because he lives. Lord Jesus, thank you that you live. You are the one who has conquered death. You are the one that ever lives to make intercession for those who love you. Lord, we can face tomorrow because you live. We pray this in your name. Amen.